the Streams Podcast. Cross the Streams Podcast. Kip and Kane. Season 4 is here. New content in all our favorite segments like Listen Up, Hometown Heroes, Useless Full Information, Calling Men In, and many more. The Ion Brothers are back, everybody. Cross the Streams Podcast, Kip and Kane I own, season four, uh, recording today, Tuesday, April 7th, uh, obviously still right in the middle of the, the global pandemic with the coronavirus, COVID-19, uh, bringing back one of my good friends from high school, Billings, Montana Roots, previous guest back in season three, uh, Jeff Jensen is joining us all the way from the nation's capital. Uh, Jeff, if you remember from our previous time having him on, is the VP at Keybridge uh, LLC, where he serves as an economic and policy advisor for small businesses, industry associations, and government agencies. That's a mouthful, Jeffrey. That's such a big time title. How you doing, man? Welcome back. I'm good, man. Yeah, the title is probably uh, more impressive than the work. But... <laughs> I love that you have, see, um, if you go find me on the internet, I do not have a full in-suit profile. You get me from the neck up with a terrible <laughs> knot. You got the full profile here on keybridge.com. I like it. Yeah, we have to keep the set. Well, the pictures we had to update uh, this year because everybody looked so young. <laughs> we had to just get fresher pictures. Right. So, the let me let's start here, bud. How are you and the family doing? You know, it's something we've led with all the guests. Like it'd be ridiculous not to go there. And you and I, when we connected before we started taping, we both said, "How you doing?" And I, the, the answer is weird, right? Yeah. Like, so go here. Is anybody sick? Are you healthy? And then kind of yeah. give us the family update. Everybody's healthy, um, and it's it is weird. Like, I mean, I have this conversation multiple times a day. It feels like, and you never know like how to kind of introduce things because yeah. that was really the first question. Is not just like, hey, what's up, but like, how are you hanging in? Like, is anyone in your family sick? And then, how are you like kind of coping with just the new reality? Where I assume this is probably the case for pretty much everywhere your listeners are living. But like, you know, we basically been locked down in DC for about a month. Um, this is the start of week four for our company working remotely. And it's it, like, there's all kinds of new challenges with that. And yeah, uh, particularly hard if you have a kid, um, obviously, because you've got to split time with, with your spouse, mm-hmm. and the kids are out of school. So that's a challenge, but you know, these are all manageable problems, first world problems, so to speak, because there's a lot of people that are in a lot of pain either right. health wise or with the economy, which we'll talk about, like, it's just, it's a mess. So yeah. I mean, all else, all, all things considered, we're doing really well. What and remind everybody, what is your what your wife is in? What industry again? Yeah, she's in. So she works for the government. She works for the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, and normally they are doing a lot of you know internationally focused. Uh, you know, her research and her her work is a lot of it is on uh, malaria, but pretty much everybody has been or not everybody, but a lot of people have been brought over to the COVID um, pandemic. It's just that, you know, we talk a lot about what's happening here, what's happening in New York, but there's, you know, every country is going through this. And as bad as you can imagine it is in New York City, and as bad as it's going to be in New Orleans and Detroit and Nashville and some of these other places, think about what it's like in New Delhi or, you know, some of these like countries that have, you know, cities with 20, 30 million people. Yeah. And, you know, there it looks like a giant sprawled village. Think about what it's like in Brazil. Yep. Uh, and how bad it's going to get there. 
um, it's really pretty scary. So, right. And, and the six feet's not even possible in places like that, right? No, I mean, hey, that's, it's just silly to even suggest it. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can, not to mention that there's no infrastructure, there's no medical testing, there's, you know, it's, it's a real mess. And so as bad as it is here, um, and it is bad here, um, it's, I think, going to be a lot worse elsewhere in the world. Um, we may not actually know how bad it is because a lot of those places don't have systems in place to collect data on. Just oh, how many right, people, right. Know? So you may not even really know the toll until a couple years later where you look back and, and it's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. What, is, so, what is, I my, my original thinking about you and your, how, where are you in D.C., right outside of D.C.? I know you told us on the last episode and yeah, we yeah, talked yeah. about it. We're, um, so I, my place is outside of D.C. We're like kind of north of the city in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, which is like a, a suburb. We're very close to Bethesda anyway. Um, my office is in Georgetown, which is right downtown in D.C., um, but I haven't been down there for three and a half weeks. So, so who makes the call in your area? You know, it's like for us in Salem, the governor, what yeah. she says goes. Like I, I know the mayor's doing work. I'm not trying to underscore what a mayor does, but I know governors in this crisis have been front and center, very yeah. outward facing. Who makes the call in D.C. for you guys? Yeah. Were you listening to Maryland? How were you going about deciding? Yeah, it's actually kind of tricky because in D.C., like we're sandwiched right between uh, Maryland and Virginia. And so, you know, we have people that work for Keybridge that live in D.C. We have some that work in work that live in Virginia and some that live in Maryland. So we kind of take our cue as a company from all three. We also take our cue from the feds. But the federal government in this case was uh, a little bit slower mm -hmm. in instituting some of the some of the lockdowns than some of the states were. And ironically, Maryland, which is, has a Republican governor, pretty moderate Republican governor, but they were one of the first states to lock things down, um, which is unlike a lot of the other Republican led states where right. they were on the tail end. So, you know, we've basically tried to take our cue from um, state governors, either Maryland or Virginia, the mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, or public health agencies of some sort. Not okay. so much like what Trump is tweeting right. anymore, like what is CDC recommending, what is, is the metro open, like things like that. But yeah. ultimately, for in a city like this, it really all comes down to what the schools are doing. Because yeah. if the schools yes. close, you don't really have a choice because your kids are at home and the parents have to stay. And so, when did they close? And isn't it hard when I ask? Like, the, I can't remember the exact yeah, date. Was about six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's what it feels like. It uh, yeah. yeah for, for Reed School, so um, they closed. They basically just. They had a spring break, spring break week the following week, and so they they shut it. They started spring spring break early, and they did an extra week of spring break. And they figured, okay, we'll give it two weeks, and then we'll see. And you know, we've been I've personally been watching this this pandemic stuff breaking since like you know December. I remember reading all about this stuff in Wuhan over Christmas, and really worrying about this. And so as as things started to unfold, like it became very clear to me as even in like mid February that like things were going to get bad and we were going to shut down schools. And so I was pretty sure that once they closed schools for the spring break, they were basically going to be shut until the fall. And I, I still believe that. Right. So I think um, I believe in Maryland. They haven't technically canceled the school year yet, but it's it's just a matter of time. And I think we're I know the state of Washington, who's a, a couple, you know, a week and a half or whatever the estimate is ahead of us here in Oregon on the curve. Which is like just total normal yeah. lingo now. If you'd have said that yeah. to me two yeah. months ago, I'm like, totally. Jeff, what the hell are you saying? Yeah. Yes. But I know they just announced schools are not coming back. And we, you know, just like you, we assume schools are not yeah. coming back. Yeah. Um, but don't I don't want to make the call too early. But, yeah. You know, writing's on the wall. And, and that's just, you know, I, I think it's the right decision. 
yeah. uh, personally, but as an economist, you know, we, we follow uh, what the economic impact is and it's, it's massive. Yeah. And there's no question about it, but from our, and we'll talk about this when King gets on, but you know, from our perspective, you can't solve the economic crisis without first solving the public health yep. problem. Yep. Until that gets solved, nobody is going to resume normal economic right. activity. So you can say we're back open, the economy's open and it's not really going to be open. Right. What has it been for you and your wife? I know we've asked a lot of yeah. people the last couple of weeks, how are you guys doing the work at home thing? Like today, Kelly knew Kelly got the eight to twelve slot for work in the morning. So yeah. I had kid duty. Then we flip-flopped for about three hours in the afternoon because I had recruiting stuff and yeah. team stuff. And now tonight, it's kind of like, well, I got a podcast too. Can I uh, right. can I get in passage of that bill so I can do the podcast? Yeah. How are you guys doing it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been challenging, but it's also been we're, – we're extremely fortunate in a lot of ways. One is that we have – you know, we, ha we both work. We both are fine financially, and so, you know, we – you know, we didn't lose our jobs. So first mm -hmm. of all, that's like just for starters. Right. Second thing is that Alyssa's mom and dad live about 45 minutes from us. Okay. And so they've been able to come down one day a week. And actually lately, Alyssa and Reed, who's seven, they go up to visit her folks and they're kind of on our quote safe list. For okay. Like, you know, we, we don't socialize with anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. We do, but, but, and we know they don't either. And so we'll go there and that's like sort of we, we still consider that safe as far as the virus goes. So yeah, basically what we've been doing is my job as, as an economist, like it's just been crazy because there's like every client that I've ever had and some that I don't have and maybe we'll have after this um, wants to know what's going to happen and wants a briefing. And what about this industry? And so like it's just been really long days. And so Alyssa has basically taken you know, all of the schooling duty for Reed for most of the day mm -hmm. um, on the weekdays. And then um, she will go up to her folks' house two days a week and then she can work while they take it for those two days mm -hmm. or at least during the day. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah. So she's been able to put in close to a full week, including the weekends. And then I'm obviously working a lot. Um, and of course, Reed loves it because he doesn't have to go to school. Like, <laughs> yes, fun. And so, like from his standpoint, this is probably great. But, but even that, like, and I'm I'm wondering about some of the folks listening that have kids. Like, we've definitely noticed an uptick in just sort of anxiety. Uh -huh. um, it's not like he's talking about the virus all the time, but like you know, it, it obviously we're talking about it. And you know, when I go to the grocery store this weekend and I'm wearing a mask and gloves, and it's yeah. like, you know, it's he notices that, and so nightmares and stuff, just things like yep. just anxious. And I wonder about, you know, what the long-term impact will be on, you know, younger generation and mm -hmm. how they'll remember this and how it will shape them. But, That's a know. great question. Cause I think I've been like, just assuming, like, I know I've said out loud a couple times to my older two, mm -hmm. Lincoln and Leah, 12 and 11, right? Like you guys are, it's awesome. You guys are living through this. It'll be in the history books. And yes. okay, dad, great. When I'm 50, I'd like to get through this crazy shit yeah. first. Yes. You know, no, I can, I totally agree with what you're saying. And I know we, like I still, you guys are smart. You got a safe, you know, you got a safe place. You know, you, ha you have done a little bit of research and going back and forth. I'm just going to Starbucks, Jeff, because I need the Starbucks. <laughs> so my wife hasn't been able to get me to stop that. But, you know, I'm wearing the mask in the, in the drive-thru yeah. and the kids are like, dad, take the Clorox wipes, wipe down the outside yeah. of your cup. So that's a that's a great point. I don't think we've discussed a lot. Like just where kids are, they might be putting putting on as brave a face as us. 
but you know when does it you know when does the fear and the scare really come in that's a great that's a great one especially especially for your younger one and you know with reed it's seven like you know he's just getting to that quote age of reason where they can start thinking through some of this stuff and they may not be able to express it and they yeah. may not even know what it is that's bothering that but yeah i think you know probably your older kids may be able to express some of that right um but I, I'm not so sure about the younger ones, and it doesn't mean that they're immune from it. So anyway, it's just it's 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 you know there's all kinds of interesting social science experiments that are come going to come out of this, right? Um, with just what this does socially and culturally and and everything else, and you know, before beyond just the health before we take our first break, we've everybody that's come on, Kane and I try to get people to share what's been a success, what's a strategy you've used, you guys as parents. That might be replicable because I know all of us. We love to say kids are great, but you know we all have moments. Today yeah. at two fifteen for me was like holy hell. How long is this going to go? Because I'm taking losses. Uh, yeah. But it's something that's worked. Like Kelly did a great job um, rescheduling our like family list. It was hour by hour, trying to keep them busy. But then we realized if we switched it from hour by hour to just check box, and you can get this done whenever the hell you want to. As long as it's checked off by this time, and that ended up being, I think, a little bit more freeing for them. It was less bell schedule, right, and more just, hey, can you have the reading for 30 minutes done by the time we get to lunch? So that's one from us. Anything you guys have done, or you could even share a struggle, because I got a thousand of those. Yeah, no, that's actually it's a good thought that what you brought up. I'm not, I think that would work particularly well with older kids. But um, with with Reed, like one thing we've really tried to do is make the weekends fun and special mm -hmm. as much as we can. Because there were like there was a trip we we're going to do to this like water slide park for the weekend, and of course we can't go. And so we we sometimes we'll set up the tent inside and do like camping Daddy. indoors or whatever. So that's kind of cool. We have fireplace, so we'll like do um we will also we're always like go outside and do something and this has actually been taking him for runs for like a mile really is he keeping up you doing the best yeah, you can he, he god he, he whines so much at the start <laughs> when we started like you know just i don't care if you whine if you whine then we're not going to watch you know video or whatever right he don't do a lot of video but like but he has to earn that and so you know there's nothing quite as quite as big an incentive for a 70 year old is like being able to either play on the iPad or watch a video. So then he, then he works his butt off. Yeah. Great. Is he, um, is he so tired then too? He goes to bed sooner. Say again. Is he tired then too after the run? You get a nap? Yes. Yep. Well, we never get a nap. But yeah, it, <laughs> does help him, it does help him sleep. Um, and that's actually another thing is that I think I'm sleeping more now because I don't have to go into work. And so you just, you, I mean, I normally had about a 45 minute commute each way. So I, I guess I could go time that hour. Yeah. Do you feel more energy? I know Kelly, my wife, usually gets up at 4.30 on, you know, to be a teacher, but she wants to get her workout in and then get yeah. to school. And she's like, man, I feel kind of good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's it's actually been good for me um, to not – I mean, there's – in some ways, there's fewer distractions for me when I'm working mm -hmm. um, at home because I don't have people, like, coming in and stuff, and I can kind of control that. Yeah. Um, it also, like, it, it sucks for working out, but we have, like, a – you know, we have a Peloton or whatever. Okay. Here, so I oh, that's good. That. Yeah. And so it, I think it, you know – you, if you just make the time and kind of commit to it, I think it, it you know, we, we've been probably healthier now than we would be if I was, you know, going back and forth to work. But well, how about meals? Yeah. I know we're actually cooking, right? Like everybody has yeah, to because it's we, sure. Kelly's sure. not, she hasn't put Taco Bell on the safe list yet, Jeff. <laughs> so I know that surprises you. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> we do. We are cooking more. I mean, we always cooked a fair amount, but now like there's just you know you spend a lot more money on groceries. We right. Spend less overall, but a lot more on groceries um, because we're cooking stuff. So yeah, that's actually another benefit. And we you know we live close enough to the city that we can do DoorDash and GrubHub and gotcha. stuff like that. Yeah. So. You can get stuff delivered and they'll just drop it at your door, but you can't do that every night because it's not cheap. So. Right. I am missing my favorite spot in Salem is Conditorai Dessert House. And let me tell you, the oh, cakes yeah. the cakes they got from there are phenomenal, but they are shut down. And I was devastated to learn I could not get them on Uber Eats or Grubhub. Oh, I, I, I was sulking. I was sulking. <laughs> I hope they come back. I worry a lot about right? it. There's, there's a lot of restaurants that probably aren't going to be back right um, and that i'm glad you brought that's a great segue we're going to take our first break uh, bring kane back in and we're going to segue into you know your expertise and, and where you spend your days crunching numbers and being able to tell us a little bit about the economic side of this so we'll be sure. right back cross the streams podcast is available now via soundcloud or the apple podcast app and be sure to follow us across our social media platforms on instagram at cts podcast on twitter and facebook at cross the underscore stream all right back from the break and kane john is back with us brother how are you sir Doing well, doing well. Just surviving, man, day to day. Right. Every day brings a new challenge of some sort with this uh, stay at home and social distancing. And uh, it has been, it's it's funny because I, I try and remind myself first and foremost, because you got to start with yourself, right? Yep. And then I try and remind my wife, uh, who's the next closest person that I can impact right away, <laughs> and just continuously keep in mind and try and keep things in perspective. Because when you got the young kids in our, in our house that we do, you know, Ava is going to be two in May, and then Kyson's uh, going to be two months here in a couple of days. And just the dynamic of those two right now, and my uh, trying to, me trying to establish some kind of routine as far as maintaining a work schedule mm-hmm. within our own home. Uh, I tell you what, man, this, this, you just got to keep reminding yourself and keep things in perspective. Yeah. And it is, it gets harder and harder by the day. Um, but, some of the things that I'm trying to hold on to is the fact that, Hey, I'm not going to get this type of time with my family and my kids very often. Yeah. And this is really a special time to try and take advantage of all those opportunities, but it, it gets harder by the, the by the minute and by the <laughs> dirty diaper and by the freaking crying and, and by the, whatever else is going on throughout the day. What is Jeff? And this, this is your question for you too. Kane, what is your, like, what is your Zen place? Like for me, I literally will go. I've had we've had great success. Couple, couple, couple friends. That sounds weird to say. A couple, couple friends. And Kelly and I got on Zooms on Saturday night and last night, and just at ten thirty when all the all the lunatics were asleep, we just zoomed together, all of us on our couches, worn out, but having wine and a beer and just talking about. You know what's hard? Being a parent. You know what's even harder? <laughs> Pandemics and parenting. So that was good for us as a couple. And then obviously like a Netflix release. I play a video game. What are you guys doing for a little bit? An escape's probably the wrong word, but maybe a reset each day. Mm-hmm. Can you go first? Okay. Um, I think that the Zoom thing has been uh, – I've would. Uh, where I've hit those a couple times. I got on with some old teammates, some, some old MSU Bobcats that I hadn't really – communicated with for a while as far as via phone or FaceTime or, uh, and so that was an awesome opportunity to get back and see about uh, 12 to 15 of those guys and, and just 
just the stories that came up was again it, it kind of gets you out of reality for a second and puts yeah. you back into your 2000 2002 2003 or whatever stories that we were talking about and so that that was a definitely an escape um I think there's there's been times where just actually running around with my daughter mm. and some of the things that, that she comes up with as far as games that we'll try and play together. <laughs> and, uh, like today, I had she had a uh, this long rope thing or the tie from a robe essentially is what it was, right? She had taken it off the robe and was whipping it around like it was a rope, and so we turned it into a fishing game. Nice. And I was I was casting it into the living room as I was behind the couch. And she would try and jump on it. And so I was trying to catch me some aid out of the, out of the living room. And just, again, just a release and yeah. just some time, just to take some stress away. I think that's that's been a lot of fun for me as well. That's, Jeffrey? Yeah, I would say you guys mentioned the, the evening calls. Like, I, I think that's actually one of – there are some positive elements of this, as bad as everything is. And yeah. As many people are hurting, like one, there are a few positive things that come out of it. And one of them is I think a lot of people are reconnecting with yeah. um, friends that – like good friends that maybe just because life gets in the way and pretty soon it's been five, ten years, whatever it's been. Like, yeah. And this is an excuse to not just pick up the phone but to like do the Zoom thing. Yeah. The web app, mm-hmm. Like you pick your software. Um, and I've had – I've got two or three groups where – you know, we're doing that maybe twice a week. And some of it is for me, some of it is work related because I'm doing it with like somebody that's a lawyer that's helping small businesses in Kansas. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm actually, I really want to talk to him, but I also just want to find out how things are going down there because that's really relevant to my job. Yeah. Um, Or like, you know, whatever it might be. And then also like, you know, text threads and stuff, just people that you kind of lose track track of. And then this is an excuse to check in and and you realize, like, you know, there's a reason why this person was a good friend of yours. Yeah. In the day. And it's, it's nice to reconnect that way. There's, um, it's funny you mentioned that because I was texting, you know, different groups just like you guys. Like, hey, what's your schedule look like? You guys get on yeah. a Zoom and they're like, Kip, I don't got a fucking thing to do, man. My schedule's pretty <laughs> wide open, buddy. Not to do it. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, but so Jeffrey, I, I'm so excited yep. to get you on on this, the next part of it, and the, just looking at this through an economic lens. That's that's your area of expertise. That's where you know you've made your living, um, and and I I'm appreciated you shared with uh, with me and Kane via text. Uh, one of your one of your pay, is it a paper or a report? How what's my best title? For this. I, th- I think the thing I sent you guys was like a little, we've been doing these like one or two page little coronavirus briefing. Yeah, coronavirus through a macroeconomic yeah. lens. So like maybe once or twice a week, we'll just do a little like analysis that, you know, is we're, we're not, it's not, it's something we're not, you know, charging clients for. We're just like, yeah. hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about this. And, you know, because a lot of our clients like this is. It's hard on everybody. Like if you like, just for example, you know, we have clients that are business associations and they have members, they have members and the members mm-hmm. pay dues to yeah. those, you know, industry associations. Well, when the shit hits the fan and your revenues go down 50%, probably the first thing you cut is your dues to some random industry association that's lobbying for you because you just, you're trying to stay alive. Yeah. So yeah. You know, our clients are hurting too. Um, and it of course affects us. So we're, we're trying to do what we can to, you know, little analyses and things that we can do. Like the thing I sent you guys was on, I think unemployment claims, which I don't know how many of your listeners are following that, but you know, we know over the last, well, we're going to, we're getting a new number on Thursday, but we know over the last two weeks between March 14th and March 28th, we lost almost 10 million jobs 
in this Jeez. country. And that is more jobs than we lost in the entire Great Recession, from which was from December of 07 to uh, July, June of 09. So like that was the worst recession, 08, 09, uh, since the Great Depression, which was in, you know, that was 100 years ago. That, and this last two weeks was worse than the entire year and a half of that recession in terms of job loss. Yeah. It, we've never, this has never happened before. Not in the United States. I mean, I guess you could go back to 1918 with the Spanish flu and we don't have great data economically on that. So it's hard to compare, but like you've just never seen this level of job loss mm-hmm. so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, we broke the, the previous record for the most jobs lost in a week was something like 700,000. Oh we God. lost 3.3 million. Right. And then the following week, we lost twice as many. And this next one that's common, um, you know, that Janet Yellen, who used to run the Fed, the Federal Reserve, um, she thinks the next one coming on Thursdays is going to be even worse. Now, I'm, I haven't run numbers and I'm not prepared to say that it's going to be worse. Or yeah. Quite as bad, but it's going to be several million people on top of the 10 million that we've already that already. Had. Had, yes. Um, and I think, Jeff, I think I texted you because I saw yeah. the number. And I'm always yeah. trying to decipher what that means. And I think I texted yeah. you a comp, Kane. I think we probably texted about it too. I said, "Is that like going ten and seventy-two in the NBA?" Oh, yeah. And you were like, "No, no, 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 Kip. That's like but, going zero and eighty-two, and you lose by thirty every night." Yeah, and maybe worse because the thing is, like, a team has gone ten and seventy-two. Yes, happened, that's a great point. Happened just a few years ago. This this idea, like, what we just saw, is ten times worse than anything that has ever happened. Yeah. Wow. The, so like I don't know what that is for basketball. Like I think that's going winless like your entire career. Yes, maybe, maybe then it's right. Yeah, to, to frame it, <laughs> Jeff. When you talk about clients, who wants this data from you? And Kane, I don't know if you you. I'm sure you get this to your emails on the coaching side, Jeff. And coaching any sports, we get a lot of these newsletter type things that are on recruiting. So I'll get oh, one sure. during the last month that's like, hey, recruiting during Corona. Yeah. Here's some bullet points to remember that might help. Or coach, we know we know you got to do, and it's all it's a business. It wants me to subscribe or purchase, but they'll give you some free stuff out front. Coach, we know you're going to do a lot of virtual running of your program. Here's how we can help. Let us give you a couple free snippets. Is that where this type of thing comes up for you, or is this two people that you're already working for? And tell us kind of a you know a broad view of who those clients are. Yeah, yeah. It's to, so the first question is it, the answer is both. Um, I think our focus is on our clients that currently pay us. Like okay. we are trying to um, provide services that are useful to them. And honestly, in some cases, we were doing things for them. Like we had something called the recession monitor where we would keep track of like various leading indicators that have a good track record of signaling when a recession is going to happen. And like, we're not producing that anymore because there's no, there's no point. Like right, we're, in right. recession. we're in a recession right now. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. And so like, we don't need to monitor those things. And it, so that's not what's needed. So like, we're not going to charge them to do that. We're going to figure something else out and we'll, we'll, you know, they don't have to pay us extra. We'll just do something else that's helpful. Mm-hmm. So there's some of it, that's our focus is the clients that are, you know, that have been with us for a long time. But a lot of times, you know, um, we're they're they're doing things like we've had clients that ask us to do something for a client of theirs and so like we we work with a group and they're part of equifax which is like yeah. the, um you know the, the credit one of the three credit um credit scoring groups and so yeah. um you know they we've never worked directly with with equifax they have another group that they work with which is totally fine but they wanted us to do uh, a webinar on 
you know, what was happening in the economy and what was coming next. And so this was a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll do that. And then I find out there's like 2,500 people that are going to be on the webinar. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my God, like I better, you know, <laughs> we'll look what, what's behind me in my kitchen yep. because it's I'm just going to be doing it in my house. <laughs> um, so it's, it is, it can be um, an opportunity to expand your clientele, but really, you know, our focus is on the, on the people that we know best and we're trying to, you know, help them prepare. And, and honestly, a lot of times it's like a really, I can't tell you how many, you know, calls and webinars I've been on where it's hard to tell because they're not always video calls. And so I can't see who I'm talking to, but like I get it done with my spiel and it's just like, it just feels like I, you know, farted in the room or something. (laughs) Everyone everyone is just super quiet and they're like, Oh, like this is going to be really bad. And I'm like, yeah, it's actually probably going to be worse than what I just laid out. Um, and for a long time, I would say for about a month, we were doing these briefings where it hadn't quite dawned on people how bad this was going to get. And I'll, an example I'll give you is that I was talking, this was in late February, and I was talking to just a, you know, like a personal call with uh, my broker. Okay. Um, and we talk about the economy sometimes. And I mentioned that like we were modeling out recession scenarios and like, I thought it was possible that we could see the second quarter, we could see a 5% decline, which would be, you know, one of the worst quarters we've had in 40 years. And he literally laughed at me. He laughed at me. He's like, there's no way right now we are projecting a 40% decline. And you were looking at five. Holy shit. Five, five yeah. made him laugh. So now like, and, and you know, it's not just us. Like you can look at Goldman Sachs, you can look at Morgan Stanley, you can look at JP Morgan Chase. Like they're all minus 30, minus 32, minus 38%. Now that's seasonally adjusted. I don't get into the details, but the point is that would be the worst quarter that we had in the last recession, which again was the worst recession we had in like 70 years. Yeah. The worst quarter we had was like down 9%. So we're talking about something four times worse at best because there is definitely a scenario where this thing could go minus 50 or worse, depending on. Um, and some of this is, and you know, there's another point here, which is that as bad as that sounds, it might be necessary in order to, to because you can't recover without fixing the public health problem. I think I mentioned yeah. earlier, like you can't, you can't just decide, well, we can't close all the businesses. Like we can't shut the economy down. We have to like get back to work and like, I, Hey, I get it. You know, I'm an economist. I, I, I recognize this is really bad. And a lot of people are losing their jobs, but you can't just decide to reopen the economy. If consumers are still scared, if yeah, are yeah. Not on airplanes, if they're not going to go to the grocery store and, and because they can see, you know, their family members and their loved ones, and they're worried about being carriers, if not for their own health, um, you have to beat the public health issue first before mm-hmm. you can truly reopen. And even when you reopen, it's not gonna be like you flip a switch and everything goes back to normal. It's gonna mm-hmm. be slow. There's gonna be certain industries that start first. And then, you know, people aren't gonna be like flooding back into the movie theaters in July. That's not gonna happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they might be starting to like go to restaurants. Um, they might be starting to go back to the grocery store and things like that. But like, there are certain businesses that they're just not gonna come back uh, for months, yeah. if not years. That's uh, yeah. That's that's very interesting, man. As far as I think you hit it on the head, where uh, I think people have this idea that as soon as we hit a, we flip a switch, everything just goes right back to normal. Yeah, 
as soon as someone says, whether it's the president or whoever else, just whether it's your governor or what, whatever um, entity you're listening to, as far as when you get the word to go back, that all of a sudden things are just going to be normal and, and we're going to go right back to what we were accustomed to. And that's obviously not going to be the case. Yeah, that's that's correct. Um, the other thing I'll just throw out real quick, and these, these are really like horrible numbers that we're looking at for the second quarter, which is <clears throat> April, May, and June. So then that's that's the second quarter. The way that GDP is measured, it's like it compares it this quarter to the prior quarter, and then it basically takes whatever happened in that quarter and annualizes it. So like if you had done that well for the whole year, how okay. much would the economy grown or shrunk? So that's, that's kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the math, the worse it is for Q2, there's a very good chance that the third quarter number is going to be extremely good. Even if the economy still sucks, it probably isn't going to suck as bad as it is for the next three months. And so it's going to appear like you can, so you can fall by 40% and then you could see like a 15% growth rate Q3 and Mm -hmm. it's still going to be ugly and it's not going to feel like, I mean, just so that folks understand how much that is like a good quarter uh, is like 3%. And so 15 (laughs) would be like unbelievable. Yeah. And if it's and one interesting thing, and I don't want to get too much into the politics of it, but um, the third quarter GDP report is going to be released two weeks before the election. Oh, here we go, Jeff. So just when I, I, I will guarantee you, there yes. are going to be tweets about the strong. You know, oh my God, they said it couldn't be done. Like you know, yeah. that's that's just so folks know that it's almost baked in um, because the economy is going to be so terrible in Q2. I think unless we have like unless we really don't control the spread at all and things really stay shut down for six months, yeah, uh, completely shut down, you're probably going to see a really strong number in the third quarter. When let me ask you this, Jeff and Kane, I know you guys, you know, football, you guys have analytics like us, you know, so I have a we have a firm we use called Hoops IQ and yep. they take everything that happens in our box score and our play-by-play numbers and they spit back to me within an hour of the game being done all these measurements of our performance and is that similar to what you're doing in like so my point is they will send back to me all these charts that my assistants in charge of dissecting besides because i can't get past green and red like green was good and red was bad and i you know we lose by 25 they send back exactly where those 25 terrible things happened and it's like i appreciate it i absolutely want it and use it but is there a solution in this goddamn thing so are you guys on the here's the statistical breakdown and then you provide it for people to now chew on a solution what are they doing because i can imagine being on the other end of your call and you say 50 percent you know we lose 50 percent and I'm and then I, I'm waiting for you to say, but here's my idea. Yeah. <laughs> is that not right. part of the job? It is, but it's yeah. I mean, you're you're absolutely right, and that's probably why it. You know, a lot of times people are so silent on the other end. <laughs> the obvious questions like, okay, well, what do we do? Yeah. You know, if you're like we work with, you know, if you're working with uh, companies that like credit card lenders or something like that, I mean. You know, if I'm a credit card lender right now, I'm thinking about, holy shit, my book is going to look really different. My portfolio is going to be looking really different in two months because you've went from three and a half percent unemployment to probably right now we're between 10 and 15 percent unemployment. And it's going it's it's not going down. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like baked in right now. Um, it hasn't shown up in the jobs report yet, but that's just because the data hasn't been collected yet. So, you know, what does that mean for? 
people that are no longer working, some of them are going to get unemployment benefits. Some of them are going to get, you know, a check from Uncle Sam, but it's not going to come right away. They're going to be maxing out credit cards. They're going to be looking to, you know, maybe get another credit card. So credit card companies have to look at that. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they've, for the year they've looked at, they assume their delinquency rate or their default rate is going to be X. And now it's going to be like 10 times higher than that. So they're going to have to adjust. And that's, that's really the quote applied economics. Like what do we do with this information? Okay. okay, So GDP is going to be this or that, like who gives a shit? Like, what does that mean for my business? How do I make money in this environment or how do I avoid losing my shirt and going out of business? Yeah. Right now. So yeah. yeah, we do we do provide that kind of advice. One of the things we look at a lot is industries that will do particularly poorly in this recession versus those that might do better than you might expect. Mm. Um, and there are some there's some you know we do our own analyses for um, you know looking at how strong different industries will do manufacturing versus you know healthcare versus et cetera. We've got you know numbers and fancy stats for all yeah. kinds of industries for that, and you know. Not everyone's going to be interested in all of that, but we try to target the things that will be interesting to the client. For sure. For sure. What, give me, when you say, I'm trying to, I don't want to make you try to dumb it down, right? That's the wrong term. But I think you hit the nail on the head with what, how does that affect, how should people view the unemployment jobs number? Because that's going to be across their scroller. No matter which news, no matter if they're MSNBC or Fox, that number is going to scroll across, yeah. right? And then, I, obviously, it affects somebody who's included in that because their job went away. I get the impact. What if it's someone like the three of us who are lucky enough that we yeah. still have our jobs? What? Where is the impact or why should I be really concerned when I see 6.6 or 10.4? What is that meaning for me? Yeah. So I think, so, I mean, I, I think a good example is um, just with, with like Keybridge, like where I work, you know, in, in, when, if, if unemployment is, you know, 3%, 3.5% means all of our clients are, you know, making money and, and we can be pitching new business ideas. We're not worried about losing clients as much. Like if unemployment quadruples, um, you know, our clients still have jobs. I still have a job, but they're absolutely affected because they're not, you know, if you sell anything yeah. in this economy, and let's face it, everybody that works, they're also a consumer. Yes. If you don't have a job, you're not going to buy as much. And if you're not mm-hmm. buying as much, then the businesses that sell things to that individual or the businesses that sell things to that business that sell things. So it's just a trickle yeah. down. Yeah. Um, it affects everyone, even if you don't lose your job. It also affects you because... Um, you know, your employer is not going to be as willing to give you a raise, for example, yeah. if there's like all this slack in the labor market that you can just go out and find another, you know, Jeff Jensen to go analyze stuff. And like, you know, my, my leverage is lessened because, you know, all those other people that I'd be, you know, competing with, they don't have jobs. Yeah. So now they mm-hmm. take mine. Um, that's just, you know, kind of the way it works. And so the, the good news here is that um, I think that the, there's going to be a lot of folks that come back into the labor market pretty quickly. Um, it's just not going to be, you know, we're, we went from three and a half percent unemployment, which was incredibly low. We're going to be in the like 10 to 15% range, you know, within six weeks. Um, we're not going to stay there for like a year. It's going to come back quickly, but not to three and a half percent. It's going to come back down below 10, maybe below eight, seven. But like, you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of, of people that used to work at, you know, 
some small business hardware store or some retail chain um, or some, you know, hospitality, maybe they worked at Marriott, maybe whatever they were doing. And, and those jobs, they're not going to come back right away. And yeah. so they're going to have to find something else. And, you know, the question is, do they have the skills to do something else? Wait, are you saying that my me selling a $69,000 private liberal arts education right now <laughs> might not be ideal? Is that what you're saying, well, Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're fine as long as you win games. <laughs> Oh, uh, but I, I, I would like you two, Kane and Jeff. But we weren't taping. You had jumped into a, a topic that fits the podcast, and all of us connected through Skyview Falcon Athletics, and all of us playing together and being around the athletic industry, entertainment. You know, the intertwinement from the pros all the way through Kane at Major Division One football. You know that that type of that impact and where these numbers impact that as well, and kind of the role that sports not being involved can play in this as well. I mean, I you think about, oh, LeBron's not playing, but you know who else isn't working is the 97,000 people selling popcorn at the yeah. Staples Center. Yep. Right? Yep, and I, I think, and especially with, like, Kane with college football, I mean, I we were talking earlier about, you know, I read something about college football is just a ridiculous percentage of the revenue that, that goes into any sport at a college is, is raised with from college football. It's like the money made, it's the cow. It keeps mm-hmm. everybody else afloat. And so I was curious, you know, what happens if you guys can't start your season on time or you can't play, you know, you can't travel or whatever. Like we were talking a little bit about that. I don't know if you mm-hmm. had additional thoughts on it, but it's yeah. scary. Yeah, no, it is scary. And I think as you hit um, on the head as far as it, you talked about trickle down. And, and to me, it's kind of that flow up, right, where it's the however many million jobs that affect the lower end and then all of a sudden everything is it flows up to the bigger end as well uh and for in the in the athletics world it, it's the same thing whereas this thing continues and with each day we we continue to expand um as far as our our the guidelines and in um the country being shut down essentially and us not being able to um, participate in with or just be around our student athletes and and not do things the way we normally would that's going to affect us no matter how anyone looks at it right now. Like it's very naive for anybody out there to think that college football is not going to be affected by this or the NFL is not going to be affected by this. All of it is going to be affected one way, shape or form as this thing flows up. And and, um, for us, as far as the college athletics are concerned, we are the cash cow. I mean, let's be honest as far the football for most universities in their athletic department, football is going to be that one sport, if not the only sport that makes money. And some athletic departments aren't fortunate enough to have that be the case either. And so we rely heavily on um, whether it's for us and we get these certain pay games Mm -hmm. that we contract with, you know, three, four years ahead of time with PAC 12 schools, um, Big 12 schools, whoever's willing to bring us into their home stadium. And that's like six uh, figures, right, Kane, for you guys usually? A, yeah, it's, it's at least six figures a majority of the time. And that's a big chunk of our athletic department's budget. And without getting that game, if, say, for example, our season is delayed and we don't get an opportunity to play uh, our preseason, most of your preseason games are going to be those non-conference 
games that you're potentially getting money. And that's, again, there's the trickle down effect to that as well, where not only us playing the big power five potential schools, but you got your D two schools that are trying to play FCS level mm-hmm. schools and every level is trying to find these games in which you're going to get a little extra cash in order to increase your overall budget for that fiscal year. And when you take those away, uh, you're asking for some trouble mm-hmm. and you're, there's going to be cuts that are going to have to be made. And then, going way back to not way back now, but a a huge part of most NCAA budgets, athletic department budgets is March madness and not having that is already taking its toll on budgets across the country. And so you're starting to see athletic departments having to make decisions on how they're going to go about this fiscal year coming up. And we're no different. We're going to, there's going to be things that we're going to have to adjust to and and make changes Uh, regardless of if we get the full season or not, this thing is going to affect us uh, in a lot of different ways. And there's going to be changes that are going to have to be made within everybody's budget across the country. Is it hard, Jeff, for you and and Kane, for, for both of us, is it hard to present concern for the economy in the in a crisis that involves people dying you know what i mean and for kane you and i both like because it's factual like the economy is gonna freaking be a huge impact on people's lives but is it hard jeff to talk about it and bring it up because you know certain people are you know hey oh really is that happening my grandma's in the fucking er or for me like man i can't see my guys and play you know what i mean you know what i mean so there's like this balancing act of presenting when or where my expertise, which is affected by COVID, when can I bring that up? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's 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 hard, and and it. I mean, when people die, that's bad for the economy just in and of itself. Right. Uh, right. You, know, you, yeah. you, you remove people, even if they're not working, they're still consuming. There's still you know people that are older and they have you know they go on vacations. They you know those things support jobs. There's no question that that affects economic activity. I'll tell you, like in some places, it's going to affect the housing market because mm. you're going to suddenly have a whole lot of homes that are vacant. Right. Um, you know, it depends on how bad it gets. But yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I feel like, you know, this is when it's like the dismal science. Like you feel like a, a, a cold dick. For yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody called Jensen. Oh, wait, I don't want to hear that shit. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say it either. But like, yeah. you know, it, it's yeah, it's it's true, and and it's not just like people that get COVID. You you've got you know overcrowding the hospital, so yep. people that have a stroke, or people that yep. have you know uh, problems with their pregnancy, or people anything. Like if you need medical care, there's not going to be as many caregivers to give it. There's not going to be as many beds to, to lay in. Yeah, a lot of the health professionals are the ones that are getting sick, not surprisingly, and so yeah, that's going to affect ability to get care. Um, it also affects, you know, you look at a recession, you're going to have a lot more alcoholism. You're going to mm. have a lot more drug overdoses. You're going to yep. have a lot more spousal abuse, like all of these mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Reality. I'm glad you brought that up because it is sexual assault yeah. awareness month. And yeah. that's a and, big, and so, a like, big concern. Of, People are locked in. There's no escape for victims. There's high triggers for perpetrators. Yeah. Uh, that's a great point. Kane, so, I just don't know if people have. Impact, for sure. Okay, I don't know if people are going to have as much discretionary income for season tickets. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I we don't have the same obviously dependency on ticket sales at D three as you guys do, but you guys need a packed Bobcat Stadium. That needs yes. to happen. And you would think on one end it's like let's get back to normalcy. I want to go tailgate, get drunk at a football game, and scream. Awesome, but maybe I just can't. Right? Yeah. 
yeah. No, that's a great point. I, I didn't even think about that or, or bring that up, but that is a great point where, again, there's the trickle down where people are not going to have that extra, potentially not going to have that extra cash, uh, especially people that, you know, the, the big donors in the, in the uh, big alumni that are always going to be there and, and are okay and they're going to be just fine. They're, they're, we'll, we'll get those, but yeah. it's the it's the other families that really scrape it together. Everything they have extra, and that's their big extra spend. Right, is their right. season tickets. Yeah. Right, and maybe it's even you know I'm sure there's sad cases where these are season tickets that have been in their family for a long time mm-hmm. and have just been passed down and passed down, and and now all of a sudden that it's potentially going to be something that's that an extra benefit that they just can't afford this year. Yeah. And we, that's something that we're going to have to address and figure out how can we make sure that we still have the, the full capacity or stadium, the full capacity with, you know, cutting some, some prices down a little bit. Yeah. You may, you may well see both from because of that reason for cheaper <clears throat> because people can't afford tickets, but also because of just, you know, people may not be comfortable being in a stadium. With tens yeah. Of- oh, there's no question. And, and that's another aspect of it is, is, <laughs> I mean, they talk about the second surge of the, of these things and these yeah. pandemics. And if we don't have the proper testing and the ability to make sure we know who's had it, who hasn't had it, uh, to ask people to come fill a stadium. You mean you can't is, six foot apart in Bobcat Stadium? The seats aren't six feet apart? You may end up seeing the administration looking for some alternative ways of raising ticket revenue. You may have like a super, yeah. um, online package where they get access to, you know, maybe the defensive coordinator of Montana State has to get the <laughs> right. um, yeah. willing to pay an extra, you know, they're willing yeah. to pay 10 bucks a game. Yeah, get some revenue in so that you guys can play, and you know I'm I'm actually curious whether you'll be asked to do more. Yeah, kind of thing because you're not going to be able to sell the kinds of tickets. That no, that's that's a great point. Jeff, uh, is there again? Kane, you can weigh in on this too. Is there economic dollars available for and maybe on a positive spin of this, Darth Vader that we're going to start calling you? Uh, <laughs> but uh, on t- in terms of companies that get a bump or from goodwill. In terms of, I switched during the COVID to this. This is going to make people loyal to my brand, and yeah. or shifting. Like, there's a creative out there thinking of something due to Corona. Is that measurable, or is it just hope, wishful thinking? Like, somebody's going to have an innovation because oh, yeah, of this. Sure. You're, you're definitely going to see innovation. There's yeah. no question about that. You're going to see one thing that I would bet money on is that you're going to see a lot fewer people going to the doctor for diagnostics. You're going to see people doing virtual doctor's appointments, not for like, you know, when you're really, really sick, but just as check-ins and stuff. Yeah. At least for the first six months to a year, like you're going to see a lot more of that virtual stuff because, you know, let's be honest, you you can do a lot and explain a lot through like, well, it hurts when it here and the person can probably diagnose it. And, And then maybe you have to come in for like half the cases, but there's going to be all kinds of innovation like that where you're yeah. going to be using um, video conferencing type software in like a non-work in, a, in kind of more of an everyday setting. And a lot of this is being facilitated by like 5G technology, which is going to make networks run a lot faster, be able mm-hmm. to do better. And that's happening just on its own. So I think that gets accelerated as well. Um, yeah, there's going to be a ton of innovation. You're already seeing a lot of innovation. One thing that my company is talking about right now is 
you know, when we get back to work, we're going to need to test people when they come in. Like right. number one priority is to protect our employees. And so, yeah. you know, we're going to have to have like a health officer or something um, who is going to, you know, take someone's temperature with a little wand or do a little COVID test or whatever. Like there, there's going to be like rapid fire testing. It's just, it's going to take a while. It's going to take time to not just yeah. develop the technology, but to roll it out widely. But you're going to see that on steroids because there's, you know, that that's the invisible hand, like of the economy. Yep. You're going to see people doing it because there's a market for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fascinating to see. I mean, you guys are going to see it from the sports, from a sports standpoint, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens, but also to compare, you know, a non-scholarship capacity D3 versus, yeah. you know, at a, at a big sky school where it's like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm really curious to see, you know, we come back in a year and talk about like what what's different you right. know, in the 2021 season than, than was last season. And I, I bet there'll be quite a bit. Yeah, well, the, the Bearcat hoop's going to be in vans. We will not be in charter buses. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be. Right. The coach Kip yeah. will be driving. He will be the driver. Uh, we, we def- I mean, I played D3 and we definitely have the coaches driving. Vans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kane, anything else? Last questions for Jeffrey before we let him get to bed since he's on East Coast time. Uh, there's no doubt, man. Um, no, I, th- I think he. Covered pretty much my my questions as far as uh, just some just giving some ideas and thoughts on, on kind of some things that were going to come from this, some positives, you know, some new potential jobs and, and things of that nature. Um, but I think ultimately what I'm getting from this is that we are going to back bounce back from this. Yeah, yeah we it's will. Just, yeah, it, go ahead. Uh, I'll give you one more positive, and this is positive depending on what, what what perspective you're at but like we're there's there's some crazy things happening with oil prices right now and that means you're going to have a lot lower gas gasoline prices obviously once people have a reason to drive somewhere but this is really weird and it sounds crazy but it very much could happen you could actually see a negative price for oil in oh. the next six wow we'll really the reason is that you have like a lot i mean this is a global recession so you have a lot less demand for oil um but you also have a price war at the same time. Like Saudi Arabia and Russia are mad, and the, uh, if people are familiar with OPEC, like OPEC is a cartel, yep. and the way it works is that, you know, all the members of the cartel have to agree to hold back on producing oil so that they can keep the price higher, and that's that's like how it works. And the the cartel works great as long as people are holding to the deal, but like sometimes they don't, and right now they're not. And so there's a lot of production happening that, you know, it's not good for the oil producers, but Saudi Arabia and Russia, like they're in this like price war. And so the price of oil is falling because there's too much supply, but it's also falling because there's not enough demand. And what you're finding is that there's not enough places to put it. Um, Oh, wow. We're running out of storage. And so oh. you're seeing like, you know, Saudi Arabia made a big investment in like Carnival Cruise Lines. And there's people wondering, like, are they thinking that they can use cruise ships to store this stuff? Like, wow. that's why it's a neg. If it becomes a negative price, it's because you have to pay to store it. And so just the idea of yeah. like, oil, oil being cheaper than like, you know, a pint of beer. Uh, huh. Crazy, but like, yeah, you know, a weird thing. So keep an eye on that. But in any yeah. case. You can go and get cheap gas. That's all. Awesome. I, I just filled up my my car the other day, and it was like twenty bucks. I felt like I was back in nineteen ninety eight. Right, Dad and Mom used Colorado. to give you a twenty, and that'd be enough yeah. for the Bronco plus a snack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's about like 
eight miles a gallon and had like a 40 gallon tank. <laughs> I remember that car. Oh, uh, Jeffrey, thanks, thanks for joining us, man. That was awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. Good to talk to you guys. And Content reminder. The opinions expressed on today's episode are those of the hosts and guests alone and should not be viewed as reflective of the opinions of the institutions or employers of the hosts and guests.